Moses, now you will see what I will do to Pharaoh. Because of my mighty hand, he will let them go. Because of my mighty hand, he will drive them out of his country. God also said to Moses, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty. But by my name, the Lord, I did not make myself fully known to them. I also established my covenant with them to help give them the land of Canaan, where they resided as foreigners. Moreover, I have heard the groaning of the Israelites, whom the Egyptians are enslaving, and I have remembered my covenant. That was the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Well, if nothing else, you need to show up from week to week in order to figure out what's happening, right? I mean, uh, calling audibles, plays from the from the, yeah, the platform, I mean, it's incredible. If you're, re- if you're buying real estate, uh, you understand that location matters. Now, some of you know this uh, intimately, personally, because you have been in the house hunt either recently or you're still in the house hunt, and you realize that location, location, location means a lot. Uh, ever been uh, to California? Uh, to the beach, no less. Anybody? Yeah, have you ever turned around, uh, not looking at the ocean, turned around and looked at the beach and some of the locations? I was there a few years ago, uh, quite a few years ago, with a good friend. We were in a conference in Orange County, California, and on the way back, we had a long lead time before our flight took off from LAX. Uh, red eyes are common, by the way, coming back this direction. And so we had it in our minds because we had pretty much a whole, whole day to, to waste. Uh, we, we'd never seen like all these famous beaches that are named, right? They're in movies and all these type of things. So we decided to kind of hug the shoreline as much as we possibly could and stop whenever we wanted to and just take in the beaches. And beaches are vastly different there, uh, you know, from one beach to another, how small or short or layered they are. But then, but then in several spots, you turn around and you realize, that's just a trailer. That can't cost that much. And then if you, like I, have looked up how much uh, prices, whether they're in Malibu or wherever you might be, cost on the beach there, uh, as well as any other waterfront, you realize that location, 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 it matters, right? Uh, I mean, the interesting thing is that Uh, some of these trailers, uh, not much more than probably 500 square feet of living space or less, are well over, well, you can imagine, price tags with a 100-year mortgage would probably be probably pretty common, at least the price tag that I was looking at and the price I get paid, right? Well, some of us might find our choice of place in a cabin in the woods with nobody else around. That would be our prime piece of real estate. That has not been God's mode for his people ever, ever. It seems that location matters to God just as it matters to the real estate and people buying and selling. Well, hello. Uh, Welcome to Ipsy Free, where loving God is not just words we say with nice sentiment. Last week, I was privileged to hear how the Lord has been expanding the hearts and minds of individuals through the 21 days of prayer and fasting. 
and it is a joy. I would like you to, we're going to use the communication or the connection card up just up today. If you would like to share a story with, how, with, with me, how the Lord is just expanding your heart, what horizons he's sharing with you, uh, please just put one, 21 days of prayer and fasting. And I'm not going to top what Mark and Mary are going to do, but I might buy you coffee. I just might. It's, uh, it's the nectar of the gods, you know. It's one of those things. Next week, just to give you a headlight, uh, he, you know, heads up, if you will, we're turning the page to a new sermon series called Love. Just love. We'll be exploring four dimensions of love found in Scripture. Um, we desperately need a, uh, a radical renewal on what it means to love in light of Scripture, in light of God, in light of biblical truth. And so we're going to take, care of, take a look at just four just areas. So let's conclude the Consecrate series today with the message titled Crossroad. Crossroad. Uh, we've been talking about the idea that we've been, uh, we are consecrating ourselves to the 21 days of fasting and prayer. This idea that we're to dedicate, devote, and submit, surrender ourselves to God and God alone. Uh, and through that, as we do, he radically transforms who we are. But the interesting thing is I continue to kind of uh, pen out, if you will, uh, this message I realize, wait a second, we've been talking about Moses. And what is Moses doing? He's leading people somewhere. Now we know that because of disobedience, they wandered for about 40 years, not God's desire. Even in scripture, it says that they should have made it in about, I think it's 11 days or something like that. How would you like that journey? But this is what I found in scripture, that we are consecrated to be God's crossroad. We're consecrated to be God's crossroad. Now, I know churches are named crossroad because partly in part because they try to find people at crossroads in their life, chaos, crisis, you know, that type of thing. But this is a little bit different. This is a tad bit different. God created Adam and Eve, placing them in the Garden of Eden. It was the center of the world at that time. I mean, there was no other place you would want to be. And everybody, I think the design would have been flowing to that spot, that location. It, the property was, well, location, location, location. When you have uh, fruit and vegetables that were just, you know, automatically coming. Yet through their desire, Adam and Eve's desire to live autonomous from God, who had given them everything they needed for life, for life, they were banished. They were banished out of that Eden. Through God's great love, though, we know and discover through the biblical history and maybe our own story, we found that he could not keep that status the way it was, that he would not allow them to be banished forever, but that he wanted to bring his creation back to him uh, that were separated by their sin. And so the journey begins. I mean, it began, well, right with Adam and Eve, but we're not going to pick up there. Genesis 12, actually. Genesis 12. It says this, the Lord had said to Abram, uh, by the way, God's into name changing. He's just wonderfully into name changing. So if you're wondering, well, I thought his name was Abraham. Well, it became Abraham because, well, as you'll read, he became a father 
of many nations. Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. Who will be blessed through Abraham? All the people on the earth. Well, scratch, scratch, scratch. Your head, that is. How does that happen? (laughs) How does that happen? Right? The Lord tells Abram to leave where he is and to go where I will show you. I mean, I will bless you. I'll make you into a great nation. By the way, Abraham, your name will never be forgotten. It will be repeated over and over and over and over again. You will be a blessing. By the way, not only will you be a blessing, but you'll have my protection. Oh, I mean, what a great covenant that God gave Abraham. And the interesting thing, and you continue to read a few more chapters in to 17, we understand the, the way that covenants were made. This, this covenant was not made with Abraham. The incredible thing is God made this covenant with some, someone who would never fail and would always live up to his end of the deal. It's found in 17, if you're wondering, Genesis 17. And it was God with God. While he bound it to man, he bound it by his blood to himself. Then, oh, what a great story. Yet, we know that things take time. Then we get to Moses. Uh, He's in the Nile, right? In this little, by the way, the word that they use for Uh, the flotation device he was in, actually is ark. It's a crazy thing, right? How all these words keep showing up. Adopted into Pharaoh's family. Uh, The burning bush incident, we've gone through that a few times this month. Uh, And then here he is in the creation of a nation after leaving the land of Egypt. He's uh, their exodus, leaving Egypt This story after story after story of this God who is with us. It's an incredible thing. So prior to leaving Egypt, God delivers a similar message. That's where we find ourselves this morning to Moses that he spoke to Abram. Yep, same same story, same line. Then the Lord said to Moses, "You you will see what I will do to Pharaoh because of my mighty hand I will let them go the slaved people of his own hand, because of my mighty, right, mighty hand, he will, drive, I will, he will drive them out of his country. God said to Moses, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty, but, my, but my, by my name, the Lord, I did not make myself fully known to them. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, where they resided as foreigners. Moreover, I have heard the groaning of the Israelites whom the Egyptians are enslaving, and I have remembered my covenant. Uh, Covenant's a big word, by the way, and it means a lot of things, and it contains a lot of things, but the one thing is that God will never break his covenant, even to this very day. It's an incredible thing. So what we see is once Moses gets established and moves uh, this horde of people out of Egypt, there's this thing called a traveling tabernacle. Take a look at this picture. 
It's an incredible picture, but it's a, it's a symbol of what is to always be, I think. So in the center, you have the, ta- the, the traveling tabernacle, and then on the outside, you have the tribes that are traveling with them. But who's in the center? Who is always in the center of everything? God, Yahweh, he's in the center of everything, always, and will always be. And guess where he wants his people to be? Oh, a spoiler. He wants you to be in the center of what he's doing too. It is incredible. So this word we find in Deuteronomy chapter 6, this word Canaan, hey, it's inhabited by people. It's already inhabited by people. And he says, I've established my covenant to give them the land of Canaan. Wow. Well, I, you probably can't see this picture really, really well. But you, if you find one or look at one, you'll find that uh, this whole region is Canaan before it, was, before it was the promised land. It was somebody else's possession. I know we could walk into a lot of tenuous situations right here. But God promised to give Canaan to the people. Why would he do that? Why couldn't he find himself in some other backwoods place and establish his, his uh, covenant with them and, and just be fine with that? Well, uh, there's somebody that I remembered studying uh, quite a few years ago. He's a, he's a Bible, high school Bible teacher on the west side of the state. His name's Ray Vanderlaan. He's done some other things since those days, but uh, he, he postulates, and I think he's correct, that not only was there, uh, Canaan was kind of this inhabited place with some evil stuff going on, but location mattered to God. You see, there's a, there's a lake at the top and there's a river that runs through it and then there's a lake at the bottom and yep, one of those uh, seas, they call it, is probably not as healthy as some other seas that you'll be around, but water is water. How many remember social studies or geography? Social studies is probably more. Any remember? I don't even think they study that, do they? I mean, I bring that up and people are like, what are you talking about? We used to talk about the, uh, the movement of people all the time in social studies. So like even in our area, anybody know what US 12 uh, may, uh, was called at one time a long, long time ago? Anybody know? Nope, before Chicago, Ohio. What else? Salt Trail. And you go, why was it called the Salt Trail? Because, well, Indians would traverse between uh, a one water source, right? Chicago, Lake Michigan, and another water source. You know, we have uh, Lake Huron and Erie and all of this over here. And they would travel back and forth. You see, location matters. You know, a water source back then meant you had, uh, you know, you had uh, commerce, you know, you set up your fur trading building on the edge of the water. You didn't set it in the middle of nowhere, generally. You set it near water. And so a lot of times, whether it's in Europe or here or Asia or other places, you know, location matters. Well, God knew that. And he set his people. Can I just say this? He set his people in a location so that they would influence the world. It's like having you know, uh, a location in New York or London. Which, by the way, we have, we have places all over the world because of God's great design on purpose to influence 
the world. And I know some of you are like, that's not what I signed up for. When I, when I invited Jesus into my heart, I wanted him to save my soul, and he wants to save you thoroughly, in and out. <laughs> but just like Pastor Mark used the, the, the term in and out, he has a task for us as his people. He wants us to live influentially in our world. He wants us to spread his name and his fame to all those around this is his call on us as his people. As his people. In Luke chapter 9, verse 23, he says this, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow him. So if, if you think in the Old Covenant, which is the Hebrew Bible, the Pentateuch is where we were at in Scripture, that it may have changed in the New Testament, it is incredibly interesting. Jesus doesn't change his vocabulary at all. He says to us, he doesn't say, hey, uh, you know, follow me and just go back home and have a cup of coffee. Uh, Coffee's good, but you might want to take it on the road, right? I mean, he is asking them to take up, you know, to be a disciple. To follow Jesus means to, to let go of what you know often to the place where he is calling us. Uh, before you back away too much, I think you'll like the end a little bit better than maybe where the middle is at. It is an incredible journey. So he calls these disciples to follow them, but they are not equipped fully. In fact, uh, in our our, uh, worship already, we've hit the scripture we're gonna talk about right now. When the day of Pentecost came they were all together in one place as you would guess they're waiting they have been told by Jesus these disciples these followers of him to wait for the Holy Spirit suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated them and came to rest on each one of them All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. What's incredible is that in the center of the community of Israel sat fire, the fire of God. Uh, The Holy of Holies was uh, regularly aflame with his presence. It was there. But in this case, the room lit up and we're supposed to, as followers of Jesus and Biblically literate people are supposed to draw the line that that the fire of God was now the fire resting on each person who says yes to Jesus and who says yes to Jesus. He moves the, the center of Israel's holiness out of Jerusalem. And guess what? He puts it on each person in the upper room, but he puts it on each person who says yes to Jesus and wants to live for him. So we are, we are, we're, we're consecrated to be a crossroad. We're consecrated to be a crossroad. Uh, the incredible thing is this is all part of God's design from the very beginning. It was never for his people to, to live only and solely to themselves, but to give themselves away to others, even in the Old Testament, I would argue. Their, their place was to be a light to the world. 
Uh, the commerce that was going to come through was not about making money, but about influencing them and showing them who Yahweh was and who he could be for those who would want to desire him. It's a beautiful thing. And in, at Pentecost, this is when it happens. They huddled together there for a little bit. But what we know is that the, the persecution landed and they scattered. And the word of God and the places of God began to multiply, not add, multiply instantly because the people of God were filled with the Holy Spirit. They were filled with the power of God. So what God covenanted with Abraham, he continued through Peter and the drop of the Holy Spirit. In our in our tradition, Wesleyan movement, Winfield Bevins observes that the hallmark of this movement was the empowerment of lay people. And I would say not just to give them jobs to do, but the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. He says, Wesley transformed the landscape of the Western world. If anything could be said about John Wesley, it could be that he empowered others to become heroes in God's unfolding story. So while we're called to a devotional life or a, uh, a, a transformational life that is continually sanctifying us over and over again in Jesus individually, we are called to be this spreader of God's, well, Pastor Mark said it, hope, grace, and love to the world around us. It is an incredible thing. Uh, we don't always land here, but it's Incredible. So what is our next step? If that's part of our journey, then is the word retirement even in our vocabulary in terms of our faith? For some of us, we may think, well, it is because I've worn myself out, given to Jesus. Let me say that maybe that's not the case. You see, I would conjecture that some of us need to uh, find the first love of Jesus. In uh, J.R. Rushick's book, The Disciple Makerspace, he says, first and foremost, the bar we are to raise is on hunger and thirst for more of Jesus. Before we follow Jesus into his mission field, we must fall in love with him. That is what we have been doing the last 21 days of fasting and prayer, of putting ourselves in a place of, and posturing ourselves so that, Father, we, so that we can fall in love with the Father one more time and be passionate on fire for him. Because we're meant to be crossroad. We're meant to be a crossroad. Take a look at this, right? I don't know where your crossroad is, but it is different than mine. I'm, I'm consecrated to be that for the world. I mean, just as Abraham was called to go and Moses took, uh, took the the people to the edge of the promised land and Joshua took them across the river. This is our charge too. Our consecration isn't unto ourselves, it's unto the world in which he's called us to go. So gather, grow, go. It is part of who we are. We, they were planted in that location of Canaan. <laughs> God's desire was that they were to influence the world. The location has changed a bit, though, as we've already said, right? 
I would argue that your go is as close as your street. As close as your street, right? I love this. Uh, Rick and Sharma Travis are hosting a community group in their home, and uh, they are using uh, messages uh, as the backdrop to those community groups, which is great. But uh, by uh, Rick's permission, I changed the title of their group. Their group is meeting on Thomas Street. They're the Thomas Street Community Group. And when he walked into the office last week, he sat back there. You can talk to him. I'm not telling you anything I haven't told him. I donned him as the pastor of that street. I'm like, it's your job. It's your job to be the pastor of that street. So this is my neighborhood. That's my, the dot is my house. My task, Kathy's task, is to be the pastor on Blue Jay and the surrounding streets. You see, we're not consecrated to do, uh, consecrated to feel good only. We do feel good but we're consecrated to experience the love of God so richly, so intimately that we can't help but not give it away. Uh, Thanks, Mark, for the book, by the way. (laughs) You're going to know what I'm talking about. Theo Burke, a multiplying church spreader, not a church planner, a church spreader. There's a vastly different, I think there needs a new, be a new word here because he's uh, planted, what, 75,000 churches? Some crazy number in Africa stated, the bottom line, this is the bottom line. The example of Jesus teaches us that God is looking for consecrated men and women who lead and serve from an intimate relationship with him. You see, you cannot... You can't go without no. You have to know God intimately to go and do what he's called us to be about. It, 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 you know, it stirs up a hunger within us. You know, in a few moments, we're gonna take communion. And... Uh, the table is just a wonderful table of God's love, right? We're reminded of our forgiveness. We're reminded of Jesus' just uh, wonderful willingness to sacrifice himself. And we, we know that because when we read, read through the storyline, right? Even Jesus that night before is like, oh, Father, this is going to be cruel. It's going to be hard. But if there's any other way, you know, let, let this cut past me. I mean, I think those are the words, right? But he said, yet your will, right? And we're reminded of that. But this also is a table, if you, if you will allow me, is a table of go. It's not just a table of take, eat, but it's a take, go, and give, You and I, if you're a follower of Jesus, if you claim that as your, as a, one of the first things you share with people that, yep, I I follow Jesus, right? I want you to know today that from the very beginning of our biblical, our biblical history to where you are today, you are consecrated to be a crossroad 
of the life of Jesus. So when people encounter you, they don't only encounter you, they encounter you the, the way that God has made you wonderfully and beautifully, but they encounter Jesus, his love and his desire to restore the world back to him. Let us pray. Father, we are grateful that you call us, claim us, declare over us as we follow you a a forgiveness. That, Father, many of us have a storyline that we attempted to try to erase our own whiteboards but realize we were just smudging everything. But it was your blood that made it clear and clean. And we're grateful. And Father, we're grateful that you call us into an intimate relationship that desires us to know your love personally, individually, and intimately. (laughs) And Lord, help us as a people to, to walk following you into the adventure to to be the crossroad that you have called us to be of your grace, of your love, as Paul says, of your reconciliation to the world. But Father, this is what we know. Uh, We cannot change a soul. We couldn't change ours and we can't change others. So what we ask, Lord, and what I ask on behalf of my brothers and sisters is that you fill us afresh. And then just like you promised Abraham and you promised Moses and you promised Joshua, I will go before you as you become the crossroad of my life to the world. 